On today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, we are joined by Big Sarge. He's stopping by the show to discuss Texas football, and we dive into those YouTube comments. And to tie it all in, we want to develop a great team here that we can deliver wins to the city of Houston. We want to deliver a championship here to the city of Houston, and that's what, it, that's what it'll be about. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to our everydayers from the Himalayas who join us Monday through Friday. Uh, we really appreciate you. And if you are new to the Locked On Texan podcast, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. My favorite place, Apple Podcasts, because I am an Apple person. But mm. also make sure that you scroll over to YouTube and subscribe on YouTube as well. I'm John, some sports guy. Hickman, of course, I'm joined by none other than Houston Texan Beat reporter, credential media member, and Sports Illustrated's own Cody Davis to discuss some football with one of my favorite person, sports personalities in the business covering the Houston Texans, Big Sarge. He will be joining the show. But before we do that, it's Friday. So we're getting back to our routine, Cody. And we're mm. going to dive over to the YouTube comments. But first, before we do that, I'm actually throwing a wrench out in the plans because Cody didn't even know I was going to do this. Cody didn't even know I was going to do this. Excuse me. Oh, Lord. You got twins? That's how you do something at no, me. <laughs> no. 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 So, you know, this week you guys have had an opportunity, limited opportunity, but you had an opportunity to be out there with the franchise as they mm -hmm. practice a couple of days. What's been your biggest takeaway for the week? My biggest takeaway, that Coach D'Amico Ryans has brought a new demeanor to the team. And I say that only because I think back to the press conference that we had with Davis Mills. And, you know, nobody knows what the future has in store for Davis Mills. He, he could be starting come week one. He could be the backup. He could be traded. No one knows. But to me, just hearing the way he talked, his demeanor, his poise, at that press conference, Coach D'Amico Ryans and his coaching staff has instilled a new sense of confidence within that entire locker room. I saw it in him, and I also saw it in Jalen Petrie as well. So I, I think if I had to choose, that is my biggest takeaway, that Coach D'Amico Ryans is already starting to have an impact on this organization in a positive way. Yeah, man. Listen. That's what you want to hear, though, right? Like, it starts up top. It starts mm -hmm. with your general manager making moves, bold moves, which is what Nick Casario did in the draft. But it also starts in terms of, you know, when you look at your head guy, your head coach, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't appreciate the new energy D'Amico Ryans is bringing to the team it doesn't feel like he's going to be a one-and-done coach it doesn't feel like he's going to be a you know stuck in his ways coach it doesn't feel like he's going to be a vampire mm -hmm. which is what he is against right it feels like he's going to be the total opposite 
of each of those things. And so to hear that, I think that is a uh, that's a that's that's a big plus and a good takeaway to take away from the first week of OTAs for the Houston Texans. Now let's head on over to the YouTube comments. Derek Dynasty. I think Derek had a comment that I liked before. I can't remember, but Derek Dynasty said, I won't be surprised if Robert Woods gets cut. Oh, Derek. Really? Derek. <laughs> two years? What was it two years? $10 million? $10 million guaranteed, Derek. <sighs> Derek. <laughs> Derek. Like, we talked on yesterday's show, regardless of how I feel about the money, you know, I still think <laughs> it's a lot of money. You have to have a security blanket out there on the field. You have to have a player that knows the system and can relay that system to the younger guys, the guys that does not have experience in the NFL, the guys that need some of that wisdom to get over the hump. And I think that is what the Houston Texans wide receiver group is filled up. Guys that you want to see get over the hump, guys that hasn't played any NFL downs yet. So, I don't see Robert Woods getting cut, my man, uh, Derek. I, I think that, you know, the investment that they have into him two years with a guaranteed million, a guarantee of $10 million, his contract is worth up to 15 and He's not getting cut, man. No, he's definitely not getting cut. And John, you talked about what he can bring on the field. I'm going to just go back to what I said on yesterday as well in terms of what he can bring off the, off the field. He is a veteran within that wide receiver group, but he's a veteran within the locker room. I believe it was Coach D'Amico Ryans on Tuesday when we, when we had an opportunity to speak with him. Um, Ryans talked about how Robert Woods – has been in the quarterback meetings. And then, of course, um, C.J. Stroud and Davis Mills doubled back and talked about how much having him in those meetings has actually helped. So, like I mentioned on yesterday, man, he might not be wide receiver number one, two, hell. He might not even be three at the end of this contract come next year. But he is one of those veteran presence that you definitely need around a young team that's still rebuilding. Yeah, man. So, I want to go to Peter... Peter Granelio, hope I'm saying the name right. If you're listening, please correct me in the comments. Davis Mills is going to be a career backup quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that. Every team needs a good backup quarterback who can come in and win you a game or two. Honestly, I think that's probably the best case scenario for Davis Mills. He could be a guy that, you know, career backup, get some opportunities at certain stops. I don't know if Houston would mm -hmm. be the stop for him, but, you know, we look at Case Keenum, who's been a career backup, but we have moments where we can say, wow, <laughs> Case Keenum went out there and won them a game, Cody. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Chill, chill, chill. what Case Keenum was able to do with the Minnesota Miracle. So, like, a career backup, is a guy that you always can trust. And eventually, at times, he gets those opportunities to play some good football for a team. And so that's why, if you guys remember, Cody and I had the conversation about a month or two back, and I was like, why are we trading? Why is the conversation about trading Davis Mills? Mm -hmm. You are going to need a guy like Davis Mills, a good backup that you can trust, who's going into a better system. And then overall, right, like Davis Mills is still on his rookie contract, not making a lot of money, very cheap. And so getting rid of him isn't a smart decision in my eyes. 
I like that comment, man. If he is a career backup, and if he's somebody that a franchise, which is as of right now, the Houston Texans can trust and still develop him to be a better guy, better quarterback, I'm all for it. Before closing out, so on Thursday podcast, we had Sam Munson of PFF joining the show. Had a couple of funny comments, and <laughs> the Houston Texan fan base did not like what he had to say whatsoever. Oh. Like we had one comment, he he said, "Uh, uh, what was a one funny comment? Of course, of course, PFF has CJ as the fourth quarterback. They really don't know what the hell they be looking at." That was one of them. But Cody, I think the funniest one to me was probably. <laughs> I already know um, where you're going. <laughs> The guy, he was uh, what's his name? Q Q Q. I okay. Uh, he said, Remind me never to listen to Sam Munson again. And to that comment, a reply from Rock WP said, It's a reason Bobby Slowick got the promotion and not him. All right, Texas fan base, y'all are fighting back in the comments. And I love it. Go ahead and fight, Texas fan. But at least they're fighting together. You got to give them that. At least they're fighting together. It ain't a lot of that going on right now. No, everybody's cool on one of perspectives, though. I know one thing, though. There are some people trying to dip into other franchises, trying to pick fights with other people. Need to leave that alone. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you need to try out Built Bar, one of the best tasting protein bars on the market. What makes these Built Bars so Good. Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. They come in amazing flavors like the churro, the peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. But above all, they are super healthy for you in your daily lifestyle. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can head into your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you're out running errands. And if you still want those specialty flavors, you can still get them at built.com. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. You already know what it is. For those of you watching on YouTube, you see the smile. You know it's our brother, Mr. Brian Belfield. You guys know him best as Big Sarge. Big Sarge, welcome back to Locked On Texans. Glad to have you, my guy. Hey, what's going on? Hey, listen. Okay, let me go ahead and get this out the way. Hey, follow me on, at, at Big Star Sports with a Z at the end on Twitter. You can read my work at USA Today, uh, Texans Wire. My, you know, government name is Brian Bearfield. And I, I'm also the uh, I'm also the host of Sports Talk with Big Star's podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. All right, now that we got all that out the way, hey, man, listen, I'm going to tell you all something right now. So, the offseason is still kind of here, but we're starting to gear up a little bit for the, the NFL season with the Houston Texans, you know, having their voluntary – well, they had their rookie minicamp, and then they're having the voluntary OTAs, and then mm-hmm. the mandatory minicamp is coming up soon, right? Mm-hmm. Let me tell both of you all something, because I don't want to advocate violence here on the Locked on Texans podcast, but I promise y'all, if I got to wait another three damn months to be on this show, Cody, you know I know where to find you. And John, I know how to lure you out of hiding. 
Well, listen, we're not playing them games this upcoming season. We got a new head coach. We got a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new franchise quarterback. You sure? You sure about that? You sure about that? At at least, at least. Boy, four to five weeks. Just, I'm just saying. All right. So can we, can we, (laughs) let's get to some logics. First of all, I do want to put it out there that who made the call to get stars on the show today? It was this guy. So you know what? Let's get Sarge on the show because it has been a while, honestly, and uh, it, it's always important for me to you know take a step back and hear different perspectives from different people. And so understanding that, damn, Sarge hasn't been on the show in a while. I really wanted you on for this Good Friday. And so looking at what's been going on with the rookie mini camps and then OTAs this week, Hearing what Davis Mills had to say about fighting back and wanting to be the starting quarterback, Cody's going to get into that. But I personally want to look at the wide receiver group. I classify it as one of the more underwhelming groups, if not the most underwhelming group on this uh, roster right now. Uh, However, Robert Woods, the $10 million guaranteed wide receiver for the two years, make it up to, he could make up to $15 million. When you look at his potential impact, for a team that you want to see John Metchie on the field this year, no football in the NFL so far. Tank Dale, rookie. Xavier Hutchinson, rookie. Nico Collins, underperformed, also quarterback issues. What are you expecting to see from him when the season kicks off based on what you've been able to see from him during OTAs and what you've been hearing from his coaching staff? First of all, no, honestly, guys, thank you all for having me on today. John, did you say that? Un- did you say that the wide receiver group is underwhelming to you? Uh, very much so. I think that is one of the strongest positions on the team, actually. Hmm. And the reason why I say that is because you do have the veteran presence of Robert Woods on there being able to help some of these younger guys like a Tank Dale, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, the Xavier Hutchinson. But you're also bringing in two other guys who has who has contributed to a winning football organization, and that is Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown. I, I know I'm lumping in the tight ends with them as well, but that uh, you you know the tight end is the best friend for a rookie quarterback and a second and a backup quarterback. So, but remove it if even if we remove Dalton Schultz from that. I still think that Noah Brown is going to be very helpful when it comes to helping out C.J. Stroud. I think that Nico Collins, now that he has a quarterback that can actually throw the ball to him in his catch radius, what I mean by that is I I felt like last year Davis Mills missed a lot of opportunities to be able to get Nico Collins the ball because Nico Collins is a big wide receiver who doesn't mind going to get the ball. He's also a wide receiver that you have to keep engaged in the game i'm not saying that he loses focus throughout the game but if you're all you're doing is blocking and running routes knowing that you're never going to get the ball at some point you get frustrated now i know that nico collins has dealt with injuries in the past but here is a wide receiver that i think that can help you a big target for cj Stroud. and i keep saying cj Stroud because i believe that he will be the starting quarterback on day one now I think that the surprise for everyone, because there's a lot of hype right now for former University of Houston wide receiver Tank Dell. What I believe that Bobby Sloak needs to do and what he can do is help Tank Dell get lost amongst big bodies. 
And what I mean by that is allow him to operate in space where you still have these big guys trying to figure out where to go. So when you have the defensive lineman trying to figure out where to go, when you have the linebackers trying to figure out where the where to go, Tank Dale is one of those wide receivers where he can use his size to his advantage and get into those spots like Danny Amendola used to do, like Wes Welker used to do. Find those those spots where you can keep him out of harm's way from being taking a hard hit, like coming across the middle or having him set up to get hit by a running back. Find find a way to get him in between that linebacker. And that, that that linebacker and that safety when you're using one of your outside wide receivers to stretch the cornerbacks. So, you know, stretch them up the field, push the defense back and allow him all that room to operate. So I, I, I don't feel that this is a, a underwhelming group. I do believe that Robert Woods, even though he's on the other side of his career right now, he may have a good two or three years left. But with this team that's rebuilding and where they're trying to go, I think that he will provide that veteran presence that they need. So since we're already talking about the wide receiving core, I do want to get into the quarterback talk. Um, You already mentioned come week one, you believe CJ is going to be the starting quarterback, and rightfully so. I think we all can agree and actually would like to see that. However, as we all know, we know what narrative that's about to be pushed out there for at least the next three weeks. So with that being said, I want to ask you a two-part question. One, I know it's still early, and we was only out there one day, and that was, of course, Tuesday. We're going to have another opportunity, I believe, next Wednesday as well. But did you see anything different in Davis Mills on Tuesday? That's the first question. And the second one is, if they do start the season with Davis Mills as the starting quarterback, do you see that being a opportunity that C.J. Stroud can actually benefit from starting his career on the bench? Because the one thing that I go back to, I look at times where Davis Mills did look promising, where Davis Mills did look decent. A lot of those games did come from games after he was inserted back into the starting lineup, after the Texans say both in his rookie season and sophomore campaign, you know what, let's sit you down for a couple of games and then we're going to try this again. I, I feel kind of bad for Davis Mills, and I know that I've criticized him a lot in the past, um, especially last season, because I felt like he regressed. Felt like yeah, he, did. he did not take the step that he needed to. I think that if he'd have just, if he would have taken more steps on, I don't want to say he didn't take football serious, but there was no competition for him. So he knew that he was coming in as the starter, especially since there was no quarterback that they drafted and there was no quarterback that was going to come in and take his place. I mean, think about it. One of the three quarterbacks that was in the room was trying to be a converted tight end at one point. So, you know, there's no competition for him. So last season he he just he coasted. And I saw that. I saw that in OTAs, I saw that in training camp and I saw that throughout the season to the point where he, he was even benched and then anytime you have to go to a two quarterback system in the pros like that that's for high school. That's for college. Anytime that you have to go to a two quarterback system in the NFL, that means that that you're Head coach and your offense coordinator no longer has confidence in you. And so the one thing that I do like and what I what I saw on Tuesday was Davis Mills looks like he did come to compete. He looked like, you know, just from looking at him that, you know, those snaps that he took, I could tell that he's gotten with someone to work on his mechanics he looks like he's working on his on his footwork. He looks like he was moving a little I was bit just more. Just about to ask you about that. 
Yeah, is he, he settled? Is his feet settled throwing the ball right yes. now? Yes, yes, he's more fluid in the pocket. Just and, and like I said, I know that we only got a, a small glimpse of him. That's why I was glad that they gave him those first team reps because I wanted to see exactly what he had worked on and if he had regressed. And then, you know, when I started seeing him do some of the check downs, I, I was about to call him check down Charlie. Then I realized I think that that's something that they're working on right now, checking down to the running backs, even though CJ, on, CJ did it a lot too. Yes, and then later on, you seen them throwing the ball down the field. I think that was for them. So I, I did see some improvement. What I really liked about Davis Mills on Tuesday was when he came to the press conference, and I know that you all talked about it. You all did a great job on that. Uh, I like the fact that he says that he wants to compete. You never want someone that's already have that already has a defeated attitude going into the season. You don't want them to have that defeated attitude because at that point – you, you can't use him. He needs to keep that competitive fire. He needs to be able to have that competitive spirit in him because if he doesn't, then that doesn't push CJ because CJ is very competitive and CJ is going to push him. So I did like, I, I did like what I saw on Tuesday as far as his mechanics were concerned. I do like, you know, that he had that competitive spirit in him. With that being said, if Davis Mills is starting week one, for the Houston Texans against the Baltimore Ravens, that means that the Texans are tanking for Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> they're, they're, they're tanking for uh, or trying to tank for somebody. Like they're trying they're, if they start Davis Mills, there, there is no possible way that you draft CJ Stroud at number two and then tell him, well, you know, you need to sit on the bench. Because if you do hmm. that, then I'm going to say, hey, Nick. I understand that Bill O'Brien is back with the New England Patriots. I know that you all are still cool. Are y'all talking? Because Which, by the way, I want to ask you this really quick. Did y'all have these the same conversation back in 2017? That's all so I need I, to know. I came in later on. By the time – no, I take that back. Twenty. No, no, no. I was about to say I, I came in. Yes, we did. And now that I think about it, I was thinking 2016. Yes, 2017 – Yes, because people wanted to know what are you looking at, Bill? Mm -hmm. Like what 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 did you see in college that tells you that this young man isn't ready to start? He arguably went against the one of the best NFL minds, I mean one of the best defensive minds in football, not just college football, in foot football mm -hmm. in general, when he played against Alabama, pushed him to the brink, won one, lost one. There's nothing that this young man hasn't done or hasn't seen that doesn't make him ready to come prepared to play day one. So here's a funny story real quick. So we're sitting in uh, NRG Stadium and I'm watching I'm watching Tom Savage. That that was the start at the time, correct? Tom mm -hmm. Savage. He took six sacks in was it six in the first half? I believe it was. And I still and believe that the offensive line did on purpose. And I say, and God rest his soul, Max Edison is no longer here with us. I turned to Max, I turned to AD, and I said, well, looks like the Deshaun Watson era is going to start after halftime. There's no possible way you can keep him in this game. And then what happened? The Deshaun Watson era started. So as I digress, there's no reason for D'Amico Ryans or Bobby Slowick to say, hey, stand on the sideline and watch. No, throw him into the fire because this is how I look at it. Contrary to belief, a lot of people don't want to believe this. And, you know, I, I I will say it. 
it's kind of like a throwaway year for the Texans. And the reason why I say it's a throwaway year for the Texans, I do think that they're going to compete. Don't get me wrong, but this is still that this whole year is still going to be the honeymoon phase for D'Amico Ryan's, Bobby Slowick, and CJ Stroud. So even if they're not successful, even if they just win four to five games this season, this season isn't really going to count because everybody is in their first year. It's almost like being in your first 90 days, your probationary period at a job. So with that being said, there's no reason to sit CJ on the side and, and, and let him watch, throw him into the fire. Hey, go ahead. The best tra- look, this is called on the job training. The best way to learn is to get your butt out there and take your lumps. You know why? Because come season two and three, both of those seasons when they're ready to compete, you don't want a quarterback who's still trying to learn because he was on the sideline half the season, the half, half of his rookie season. He needs to be able to be in the game, in the fire, in the line of fire to be able to see what's going on. Welcome back in, Locked On Texan listeners and viewers out there in the YouTube world. Of course, we are joined by one of my favorite people in sports media for the city of Houston, covering the Houston Texans, Brian Big Sarge Bearfield. You made a – you posted early in the week a tweet that Derek Stingley looks bigger, right? And not like, oh, he's out of shape coming into camp bigger. Diane it Williams was more so being. like, oh, wow. He looked like he's gonna be able to make some real his sticks type of tackles this year. But uh Derek Stingley, who was nursing an injury last year, missed a part of you know the end part of the season, looks a lot bigger. Has he still looked explosive? How has he looked during camp so far with the couple of days you guys had out there to see the Houston Texas practice? That that weight that he put on didn't stop him one bit from what I seen. He was still fluid. He was able to get in and out of his breaks. He was able to put a little bit more pressure when they went to press coverage um, on the wide receivers. He, you know, you could tell he had picked up a little bit more weight, being able to hold up the wide receivers just a little bit. And with the amount of weight that he looks like he's put on as far as the muscle is concerned, it's almost like because he's not a real strong tackler. He doesn't mind tackling if he has to, but with the weight that he has on now, they can walk him up to the line or they can run some blitzes with him now. Last year, I was afraid. I was like, he's too light. He's too light. He was definitely going for them ankles last year. Yes. He was, it was all ankle or, or no tackle. But now, but now he looks a whole lot bigger. And I can't wait till I get the opportunity to um, talk to him i was talking to uh one of his teammates last week and i asked the question do you think that sauce gardner getting all the attention that he got last season motivated Derek?" and he said without a doubt he said without a doubt and he says the other thing that motivates uh Derek is the new system that's that he's about to be put that he feels like that his he he will be able to be used to his strengths this season coming up with D'Amico and with the new defensive coordinator. I can never remember his name. I can't get um, but he looks like he feels like he's going to be able to get back to that Derek Stingley that was his freshman year at LSU. They're going to be able to utilize and use him more. So this entire offseason with uh, with the coaching change, with the scheme, with everybody praising 
I put it like this: Derek doesn't do a lot of talking, not to us anyway. Now to his teammates, he does a hell of a lot of talking, but to us, he doesn't really. And now, what by us, I mean the media. So that's why I always have to get these secondhand conversations from his teammates. <laughs> and so he he didn't like the fact that people thought that he had lost a step or that he shouldn't have been selected where he was selected. Derek is very competitive and what he went through in college made him more competitive. Now, remember when he stepped on to the campus, he was already going up against guys that are, you know, premier wide receivers in the NFL right now. And if I'm not mistaken, what was he an all American as a freshman? Won a national he was everything. As <laughs> you know, won a national championship as a freshman. And so you go from that, to what he had to endure last season, even before, you know, before the injuries. And so I think that, and I think that with D'Amico Ryan's being a former player, a former defensive player, he can see, okay, they drafted this guy here for a reason. I went back and I watched him play in college, you know, and I haven't spoke to D'Amico about this, so I'm just giving my opinion, but, I'm pretty sure he went back and he looked and he said, no, this guy was underutilized last year. Can he play zone? Yes, he can, Lovey Smith. He can play. He can play zone. That's not his strength. His strength is in man-to-man. And to be able to watch the way Sauce Gardner was able to basically be free in in that defensive system in New York, and you think about it, Robert Sala. Former defense coordinator for the 49ers. Mm. You know, I also want to point out that, you know, Derek Stingley, his last four games, he only gave up just under 15 yards per game. And his yards per completion uh, was five, nine, four and a half, uh, and 12. And so he got better throughout the year, got more comfortable. I see the reports and tweets and everything all the time when people just write them off. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is how I know you guys nationally and sometimes maybe locally didn't really watch the games yes. or didn't understand what was going on behind the scenes and on the scene and on the screen right in front of you. Right. I remember, was it the Broncos? Yep. He saw somebody. He was ready to kind of follow his receiver, but then he realized, oh, I'm in cover two right now. I got to play the girl flats. So he's he kind of had that issue early on in the season. 30-15 against uh, – it was 30-15 against the – yeah, I was there. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I didn't say I was – I'm not saying I was there to try to flex or anything like that. No, no, that. no, but I'm saying, saw, I remember this. I yeah. remember this because I've talked about this in the past. Yes, 30-15. And actually, it was a three-wide receiver route. All three wide receivers was open, but Russell Wilson just felt more comfortable going to Cortland Sutton. Right. And, re- and you so, see him um, on that play, like, instinctively he's – Kind of do I walk do the I run do what with I do or do yes. I, yeah man walk the run with them because he knows that it's a one man route because it was only one wide receiver on his side so mm-hmm. he wanted to turn and run with him to give the safety if I'm not mistaken that was Jonathan Owens was Jonathan over the top Owens. give him some help but if you go back and you watch the play on uh, if you're watching on all 22 he's running and he realizes I'm in I'm in zone and him and Steven Nelson turn at the same time. <laughs> And to play their zone, to play their areas, excuse me. And as they're playing their areas, the wide receivers are breaking wide open. Wide open. Yeah. So yes, um, I I just I wish that Lovey would have said, "Hey, sometimes we're just gonna play." I put it like this. You remember what the um, 
uh, what the Seattle Seahawks used to do with Richard Sherman. They'd be like, all right, we're running this. Richard, you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Richard, <laughs> you, you, you over there, you, you do what's, what you feel is best. So however you want to play on this side of the field, go ahead. Jalen Ramsey, hey, man, whatever you feel like playing over there, you play, play that. And we'll get back to some defensive calls, but, you know, you have the freedom to be able to go outside of the call. And that's what I want to see Derek Stingley be able to do. And I don't want to be not early on, but maybe as the season goes on, he gets more comfortable in the new defensive scheme. I wonder how much cover three we're going to see this year or some variation of cover three. Because, I, you know, I, I would expect that they're going to have, you know, either – more than likely probably uh, Petrie playing around a line of scrimmage or closer to the box. And so with, with Derrick Stingley gradually getting better, I wonder if we're going to just see him say, you know what, you got a side to take care of. Whether they go up or down, this is what you're going to do. And then we're going to have some extra pressure coming yeah. up front. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this defense. What Can I throw in like? something just very, very quickly? Because you mentioned Jalen Petrie. And I think that the one one person that's going to help Jalen Petrie this year is Jimmy Ward. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and by him helping Jalen, that's going to be a trickle-down effect that's going to be able to help Steven Nelson and Derek Stingley Jr. And that's what's going to be my next question. Like, how great do you think this defensive backfield is going to be? Because um, going back to Tuesday OTAs, one of the best highlights that we saw was Jimmy Ward breaking up a pass breakup. I, I, I don't know which quarterback threw it. was either Davis or CJ. But he, he came away looking very, very impressive. And you go back to the press conference where we heard um, Jalen Petrie say on several occasions how – he is he is very excited to play with Jimmy Ward for this upcoming season. Yeah, I want to say this before you answer. I think the running back room and the DB room are the two best rooms on this roster right now. Yes, I, I would say that. And well, you know what? I'll throw in the offensive line room too. I think that that's going to be you know good. And like I said, I know that you all because you all do a great job of touching on everything as far as the Texans are concerned. And so I asked. Uh, so Saturday, I was able to talk to Jimmy Ward and I was able to talk to Jalen Petrie. They were at the uh, Houston Food Bank for the um, 11th annual Texans Care- Volunteer Care Day. And so we got a chance to talk to them, but I also was able to talk to them, you know, on the side. And, you know, they have nothing but the utmost respect for each other. They have nothing but like and you can tell that you can tell that they've spent some time together already because of the way their, their cohesiveness and them being able to laugh, joke, and play around and talk to each other. And so taking that, if you got that type of cohesiveness off the field, when you get on the field, it should just, you know, it should be just normal and natural to you. And so, yes, uh, that's why I asked Jalen Petrie about Jimmy Ward at the press conference. And he says that he plays like he has his hair on fire. And so that play that you're talking about, Cody, when they were on, what was that? Was it seven on seven at that time, or was it eleven on eleven? Uh, it was eleven on eleven. Okay, so eleven on eleven. That play that he made. So previous to that, when they were broke up into position groups on that on that backfield over there, on, mm-hmm. on you know, I'm talking about the backfield at the uh, Methodist Training Center. Yeah, he was over there doing the same thing. He was over there doing the same thing. Sometimes before the play was even before they even hiked the ball. He was already jumping around, pointing. Hey, 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 get right here, get right here. Hey, this is going to come right here. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And I was like, okay, okay, we're going to see. And I will say I will say this. You know, he's going to have his hands full this year 
in the AFC South because you, you look at the quarterbacks and I feel that, you know, outside of, uh, of Trevor Lawrence, I think that Anthony Richardson, by the time that the Texans see him the second time around, he's going to be very dangerous. Um, Will Levis may be starting by the time the Texans see them for the first or the second time. And I don't, outside of, outside of the Jaguars, I don't see a strong wide receiver group in the AFC South. So they should have plenty of opportunities in the AFC South to, I'm not talking about Jalen Petrie and Jimmy Ward to make something happen. One thing I love is talking football, man. <laughs> Just talking football. Mm, it's beautiful. Thank you all for checking out today's show, man. Big Sarge at Big Sarge Sports on Twitter. Make sure you follow him once again before we break away. Uh, where can everybody find your work, your podcast, and everything that you do? Uh, you can find me on um, Twitter and Instagram at Big Star Sports with a Z at the end. You can find me at Brian Barefield at uh, Texans Wire USA Today. You can also find my, my podcast. Um, and I can't wait to have you two guys on it. It's a whole different field now. So let me just tell you that right now. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, hey, right, John. Right. <laughs> uh, it, um, sports Talk with <laughs> Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast. And before I go, <laughs> let me say this, and I don't want to bring the mood down, but I do want to say uh, rest in peace to uh, Jim Brown and Tina Turner. Mm. I, I want to go on a Tina Turner rant, but thank you. Um, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and make sure that you use those same two thumbs. Scroll on over to YouTube, type in Locked On Texans, subscribe, like, and comment. I'm John from Sports Guy Hickman. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.